Welcome to Imperfect Action. Of course, this is Brock Edwards, and today's guest is Maokli Yabua. Uh, really excited. We've got, uh, well, he's an entrepreneur, and but I'm just going to stop talking. Maokli, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and what you're about. Hey, Brock. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. So excited to be here. Again, yeah, my name is Maokli Yabua. Um, originally from Ghana, so in my uh, native language, my name means God is great. Um, yeah, as you said, I'm an entrepreneur, also a husband and a son, um, corporate professional, uh, you know, and, and as well, as you heard, I'm a Ghanaian too. <laughs> Excellent. So, so entrepreneur and corporate professional. So you've got, you're an entrepreneur and you've got a day job? That's true. Yeah. You know, I, um, I've actually, I started my business while I was in college, but you know, as you know, as you mentioned, living in Denver for a few years, rent prices went up. And so I, I still had to figure out a way to pay rent. And so for the past few years, I've been working, uh, started off in financial services and now I'm actually working for world pay in payment processing. And then, you know, while I'm, during the weekends and, and weeknights, um, then I'm my full-time entrepreneur uh, running Flare and Square with my uh, business partner, Fatima. All right. So day job, business you started in college. Uh, you said you've got family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you had time to do this today. So uh, you know, how, do you, how do you fit all that in? Oh, man. I mean, you know, a lot of scheduling getting good at prioritization. Um, and really at the end of the day, you know, coming from Ghana, coming from a very communal culture, you know, family's the most important. So family kind of runs everything else. And then, you know, with my, thankfully with my job, you know, when I leave, I kind of, I get to kind of leave everything within those four walls. And then that really gives me time to fit Blair and Square into all the other pockets of free time that I'll, I'll have when I'm not doing family or work. Okay. Well, why did you start Flare and Square? And well, first off, what what is Flare and Square? And then yeah. why did you start it? <laughs> well, great. Yeah, Flare and Square. Uh, we are a men's accessory uh, business for suit accessories. We started off doing pocket squares, then moved into bow ties, and recently this year, now we're doing socks and re- getting ready to re- release straight ties as well. So anything in regards to suit accessories, you know, we're your one-stop shop and we make sure you always leave feeling confident and looking good. Um, So that's what Flair and Square is. You know, the story of how Flair and Square actually came to be, it really starts while I was in college. Um, You know, at that time, I just got my first internship working for a financial services firm called, um, called Jackson. And, you know, in financial services, we were suiting up every day. But as a, as a 19-year-old college kid, I had about two suits in, in my closet. And so I had to get really creative on, on how to even, how to make sure people at work didn't know I had two suits. And so one of my uh, best friends that I grew up with, Fatima, who's uh, now my business partner, she actually studied um, fashion design at the Denver School of the Arts. Um, she was always talking to me about wanting to start her own business and I knew she sewed. So one day I just kind of hit her up randomly and I was like, Hey, would you mind helping me on a little sewing project? We made about three pocket squares, um, for me to work, where to work. And then from there, my bosses actually, um, were, got interested in my pocket squares and asked me, you know, where did I get those from? You know, how can they get some? 
And so I would just kind of lie, told them I made it myself. Didn't want to explain to them that Fatima made them. But, um, you know, we, we ended up doing about four or five pocket squares just for a few of my bosses. And then that really kind of was the first spark. And, hey, we could maybe, you know, do something with this. You know, at that time, I was studying international business. So I figured what a better time to start a business when I'm in business school and have access to, you know, professors and people with business experience who could possibly help me get this going. Nice. Uh, so, so I love the opportunity to that. And, and, you know, I was going to ask, you know, why, why, why pocket squares when you're in college? And that, that's such a great explanation. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love, I love that, you know, cause you know, when I was 19, you had, well, at least two more suits than I had when I was 19. And um, so I love, you know, Hey, how, how do you just, how do you make this work? And uh, right. And then it just kind of, kind of growing because, you know, so often I'm, I'd love that it evolved just kind of naturally because, you know, a, a lot of us are in positions where it's like, okay, I want to start a business. What should I do? And you were just solving a problem that you had that then, you know, turned into something else. Exactly. Exactly. So at what point were you, where you were saying like, Hey, you know, this actually could be a business. And how did you decide to, to make that leap? Of course. Yeah. I think we, um, you know, after the first month, I remember going to her house, we, you know, with our first few uh, pocket squares that we made for my bosses, you know, we really didn't have a set price. So we were just kind of like, Hey, I, you know, I, I want to give Fatima some money for obviously making these for you. What would you give us? You know, we'd love to just get your feedback. One person gave us $15, another gave us 40. And so that was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> big range, but, you know, I think we, we sat down together and, 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 you know, out of those five pocket stores, I think we ended up having about, you know, 200 or so dollars. And so we were talking about splitting this and, and Fatima and I, you know, we've been friends since, I mean, I, my family moved to America. So at this point we're like family and she was really like, Hey, I think we should, you know, really talk to them and see if, if they want to help us get our pricing and see if maybe we can get a few more customers at your job. And so that was really the point where, you know, we, we thought about kind of expanding and actually trying to go after and gain more customers and really making it a business was really just her idea and kind of her, you know, as I mentioned, she's always wanted to start a business. So it's kind of her entrepreneurial spirit that really got us going and, and got us thinking seriously about making pocket squares and, and making them for people. I, you know, I, I also love that it is something um, so simple you know, a square, square yeah. of cloth. And, and yet, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there, there's some value there. I mean, someone valued it at 40 bucks and right. um, that that's really cool. So I'm assuming early on it was, you know, basically, you know, in your, in her garage or, you know, kitchen or, or wherever. Um, how did you make the transition from, you know, kind of doing these on the side for a few people to having a storefront? Right. Yeah. And so we actually, um, we, we actually don't operate our own store. We are in several stores, but it, it was a gradual process. I'd say our first year of business, we were, we were a custom order only operation, right? It, it was only when someone heard about us or, or saw one of our products and then, and then contacted us. And, and really the first orders were, went something like, Hey, uh, you know, I have a blue suit. I have a black suit. I'd like a blue black pocket square and, and right. And they wouldn't give us any kind of 
direction. They just kind of make it open-ended and just say, give me what you got. <laughs> and so we really spent our first few few months just going going to first the Joann's and then kind of branching out to other fabric stores just to see what type of fabrics we could find and make pocket squares out of. And then after about, I'd say, you know, eight, nine months of that, we we really found an opportunity to, there's a huge sale on some fabric that we really loved. So we really took that as an opportunity to make our first line, right? So I think it was, you know, spring, summer was here. So we had some nice floral patterns, some really bright patterns we liked. And so we, we really found about eight to 10 fabrics um, and, and just made a line and made about 10 pocket squares. And at that time, I think we... Uh, you know, we, we set up an Etsy account just to just to kind of play with it and have at least an online place that if people wanted to buy them, they could go to. But it was really just us making that first line. And, and I would really just kind of walk around places or, you know, we there'd be a different event. So just table and then have people come come and talk to us about our pocket squares. Nice. And, and, you know, I appreciate that this is such, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm making some assumptions here, so always correct me if I get off base, but, oh, of course. You, you know, th- th- this is a, a pretty low overhead business. You know, you're, you're yeah. buying fabric kind of as you need it. You mentioned, you know, even now don't have a storefront, although you, you sell through other stores, uh, you know, so it's almost the, the risk, the financial risk, you know, just seems so minimal to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that about it, that it was, you know, you could experiment, you could play with it. Uh, even just the nature of pocket squares, you know, it, you don't have to stick with the same fabric. You don't have to make the same thing all the time. You know, you can constantly be playing. So that, that I don't know, uh, to me, that's just kind of cool, uh, a fun way to do a business. Well, how did you get into the different stores, you know, so as the business was growing and mm-hmm. you're, you're now selling through other stores, um, how did you approach that? Yeah, it was actually, you know, and one of the things I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate with is just kind of a stroke of luck. You know, we um, we, we had an Instagram account. And so one of the things I, I randomly started doing, and to this day, I still do, is, you know, I love sports. Um, and, and so anytime I see like a sports, cat, a sports announcer who has a nice suit, maybe no pocket square, I'll kind of shoot them something on Twitter or, or Instagram, you know, just use social media to reach out and, and you know, Hopefully one of them uh, reaches back to us, but locally here we have um, a news anchor named Chris Parente, who at that time was uh, was um, running the everyday uh, show on Fox 31. So one day I was, you know, I was, I was sitting there. His show came on, and I was like, "Man, Chris is really stylish." And so I I saw got his email, and I just shot him an email, told him about our story, you know, said we'd love to to get him some pocket squares, and and get his feedback and he actually invited us to a show and so you know Fatima and I obviously weren't going to say no <laughs> to free to free free publicity um, so yeah so we got on a show and one of my friend's mom from high school was I get apparently was watching at the time and she knew um the owners of a local store here called Homer Reed and so she I guess either took a picture of her of us on the show on her phone and send it over to the owner and then kind of connect me, connected me through with him. I went to his store and then, you know, two weeks later, he, he, he put in an order and to put our first line in his store. That's awesome. Yeah. But, it, but even, I mean, even that first meeting, he, he kind of gave us some great feedback. He laid our pocket squares down um, next to the other pocket squares he sells. 
And he just gave us some really good feedback in terms of the size and the fabrics we were using. So for us, it really wasn't, um, you know, kind of a big stage for us is, oh, you know, now we're in stores. But it was really an opportunity as we were seeing as, wow, we have someone who's been in the business and knows, you know, what customers want and is really willing to just give us free feedback, honestly. (laughs) And so that was probably the best thing for us at that time was that, you know, we were just had a great relationship with, you know, Bill and, and, and the other owners of Homer Reed and just allowing us to to really improve our product and get it up to, I guess, industry standards, you could say. So you're on the uh, cusp of going bigger. So you started with pocket squares, you expanded to bow ties mm-hmm. and then socks. And now you say you're about to go with, you know, just a more conventional straight tie. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the challenges along the way? You know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, just the idea that, you know, the Instagram fabulous, if you, and I, these show up a lot in my, my feed where it's like, you know, you start, start a website, you know, put something up on eBay or Etsy and, you know, pretty soon you, you've got to decide, you know, which mansion do you go with? You right. Know, um, and you know, that's not real life at all. It's a, it's a, it's a fun story, but it's not, not real life. And so what have been some of the challenges that you faced go- going along the way? Oh man, where, I mean, where do I even start? Um, for when we first started the business, you know, Fatima and I were in college. Fatima was, uh, you know, she's a single mom. So also, you know, getting her, having her, making sure, you know, she's having time with her kids make a while also finishing school. So we just had the challenge of overall this time, right? And having a lot of things pulling us in different directions. But as we really decided to to launch the business and to really go for it, we we realized that there was so much that we didn't know. Um, I mean, we didn't know how to, how to start a business. We didn't, me personally, I didn't know how to sew. Um, and then, you know, how to make a, a product professional looking, if, if that's, if, I guess, if you can phrase it that way, you know, how to even get it to market, how to scale, how to market your, your business. You know, there was just, when we made that list there, I mean, it was about a two page list of just, these are all the things that we wish we knew, right. But don't. <laughs> And, and 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 we really just started kind of figuring out how do we attack each one, you know, one at a time. I love that approach, though. Uh, now, you know, obviously, it didn't dampen your enthusiasm to to document everything that you needed knowledge on. No, uh, but you, you know that that is such a good approach because. I think a lot of us just get started, and then oh, I don't know this. All right, let me go figure that out. Oh, I don't right. know this, and. That takes, I think, you know, you get rolling, but I suspect it takes longer in the long run than if you just said, okay, what don't we know about starting this? And let's just go get some answers. Uh, so, okay. So yeah. you, uh, you, you figured out everything that, you know, you didn't know mm-hmm. and start started answering those. Um, so where did it go from there? Where did the challenges come in after that? Yeah. I mean, so first, you know, when we talked about, um, you know, I guess through our process of learning. So right now, entrepreneurs, everyone has access to internet. So obviously, you know, Google can be your best friend and just kind of getting some simple answers, right? But at that point, I was very fortunate that I was in business school. I was taking classes. So I really, it really changed my mindset on my classes, right? So now, instead of just being in class and, and really using the textbook to guide my learning, my question is more around, hey, professor, you know, I have this business, right? I have this idea what do you think about this? Or how does this relate to the topic we're discussing? 
So it really allowed me to use my time in business class to to have it geared towards something that was that was um, tangible um, for our business. Um, and then just you know talking to our mentors and, and and really getting back to social media in terms of just seeing what other folks were doing. But as as we we went through our process, some of the things um, you know, and and then there's trial and error. Everything even to this day that we do always trial and error. Um, just learning from our mistakes. But really, the challenges you know that we found were, you know, one when we talk about fashion, um, you know, in Denver specifically, Denver is such a casual culture that, like like you said, I mean, I was even fortunate to have two suits at nineteen. You know, we'll 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 encounter people, you know, thirties haven't worked in in a in a corporate setting maybe or not a formal one. So so don't you know, never even thought about to have a suit. And so it, we really just had the challenge of you know where do we find customers who would who would want our products. Um, then we had the challenge you know of even though you know we didn't have much money we didn't you know we didn't have an investor so it was really how are we even going to bring capital to even get this going right and and then that you know at that point I I was working three jobs in college thankfully I was on scholarship at DU so I just started funneling some of my money from you know, my part-time jobs into a bank account. And we were really using that to start. So that was kind of one way that we were using to address the money piece. And then there was the challenge of, you know, how do we get fabrics that are nice? You know, how do we get fabrics? How do we get access to different fabrics? Where do we even go find fabrics? And so then it really just started a, a really interesting process of us just walking around to any fabric store locally, Googling different fabric stores, you know, in our area or in our region, maybe because we thought, you know, take a take a four hour road trip to a fabric store. Maybe that would be fun for us. Um, and yeah, and so it was kind of those big challenges, you know, money, customers and then supply. And, and then and then as those main, you know, we started kind of breaking down those main challenges. There's definitely smaller steps that we realized we could take, you know, to, to, to really get over those initial obstacles. So what are you facing right now? I mean, what's what's the learning that you're going through at this stage in the business? Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing that we're learning right now is is scale. You know, how do, how do you scale a business, right? We we've developed, definitely built some some good inventory. We we've built some some good online presence. Definitely built some local presence here in Denver. But but now, how do we really scale, right? How do we turn this from from a solid side gig to this, this is a legitimate business that maybe one day we could quit our jobs and, and, and run this business. Um, and, and that's, that's really, I mean, we're, we're still in the thick of it right now. Um, and, and our trial and error, we've, we've definitely made some, some more expensive mistakes, but now it's trying to limit those expensive mistakes and, and just make, make sure when we do make mistakes, it doesn't cost us a lot of money, but, but the, the end result is that we learned a lot and, and we are able to turn that into, some money making processes. Um, but, but really even recently, um, Fatima actually moved to Tulsa. So she, um, sadly we, we lost her, um, her grandfather. Um, and then her, um, her, her grandmother was, um, you know, has dementia. So her grandmother really needed that family to, to take care of her. And so the rest of her family's in Tulsa. So we really had to have the conversation, you know, how are we going to run this business and grow this business in two separate places? Um, and, and that's been one of the challenges that we're facing right now is, you know, not only just maintaining what we've done, but how can we use and leverage our positioning in, you know, in Denver and in Tulsa 
and use that as an opportunity to grow the business. Um, and so, you know, one of those things is we have local stores here that we work with, maybe trying to get into some local stores in Tulsa and, and, and using that as a way to scale on our retail side. And even having Tulsa, um, you know, T- Tulsa has one of the largest Juneteenth festivals. So being able to leverage things like that, that allows us to, to go into big community events and really showcase our business in, in, in different areas that we really didn't have access to before. And, and really addressing that opportunity as a way to, to kind of address the challenge of scalability, right? And then the last piece that we're working on is just our overall supply um, and, our, and kind of our, how do we, how do we make more products in, in, in with the same quality in less time or, or make more products in the same amount of time? Um, right now, we have about four independent sewers, um, the main one actually being my mom. She has about 20 years of sewing experience in Ghana. She used to be a teacher teaching tailors how to, how to do the profession. So really being able to use my mom has been awesome. Um, and then also, you know, as we were able to launch socks, we actually had some suppliers, you know, messaging us on Instagram, talking about, you know, we, we, can, we can make products for you. But the thing we found was that all of them have minimum orders, right? And so as a small business, you know, if you're telling me you can make 500 white pocket squares for me, I don't know if I can sell 500 of one pocket square. You know, I'd like the option to maybe only make 50. Um, and so just trying to find suppliers who, who, who are willing to work with us. Fortunately, we were able to find one um, that we're working with now. They're actually, um, they're, they're based actually near you in Dallas and in China. So it was really interesting because we really weren't, um, we wanted to know that, you know, they were also, you know, here in the U.S. Um, and, and not just dealing with someone completely international, but um, yeah, that's really been allowed us to scale. And like I said, to bring ties and bring socks to the market and expand our bow tie. So it's definitely been on a few fronts as we address, you know, our current challenge of scalability. But I, th- I think just any problem entrepreneurs face, sometimes it's not just one path you have to go down though to find that solution. Sometimes you really just have to cast a wide net and take three, four paths to, to, to break down one, one solution, one problem, I mean. So if it's not getting too much into the, the, the gory details of your business, uh, yeah, how does it break down, you know, uh, in-store sales versus what you sell over the internet? I mean, yeah, percentage-wise. So really, and, and I'd even say versus, you know, what I sell in person, right? Because, you know, I'm in my pro- corporate career, I started off in a sales role. I'm, I'm in a sales role. So I've actually seen my what I do in my day job as, as a great training and a great opportunity for me to gain sales skills um, and bring that to Flair and Square. So we, yeah, we sell three ways. We sell, so I'd say right now we're about, you know, 25% retail. So in, in our store, in the stores that we work with, I'd say we're about 25% online through our website, which, you know, obviously we'd love to grow that to be about 50%, if not more. And then the other 50% right now is, is in person. It's, it's really still me putting my feet on the street and, and really getting to know our customers, getting them to make reorders, getting them to uh, share our story and our business with their friends and their networks and leveraging that. And, and really still, um, I mean, I'm still delivering most of our local products in person. That's really cool. Um, 
I just love the flexibility and the get out there and do it, you know, of it. Yeah. It's it's easy to, the, the internet's an awesome tool and it's really easy to also hide behind the internet. Um, you, right. You, you know, just try and make that your old cha- your own channel and if, or your only channel and if it works great and if it doesn't, well, what are you going to do, you know? Um, so I love that just your own in-person is kind of what's driving most of it. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I wanted to touch on something here before we, we run out of time. And that is, I mean, we've been talking about something as basic as Pocket Square. Mm-hmm. But when you know, when you look at the mission of Flair and Square, you know, there's a, a couple words that stand out. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It says, you know, Flair and Square's mission is to supply customers with high quality fashionable accessories and provide them with confidence. And that word stands out to me. Confidence to express their individuality. It is our duty to service our stakeholders and bring positive influences to the communities in which they live. So um, mm-hmm. I have a real love-hate relationship with mission statements. When they're good, they're right. awesome. <laughs> and, but, you know, 95% of them are just horrible. And yet, I, you know, I think yours is great in that, you know, you're talking about not just expressing individuality, because that's cool, but the confidence to do it. I'd love to hear about yeah. I'd love to hear about that. But also it's not just a mission, but use the word duty to bring positive influences to communities where your stakeholders live. Can you talk about that a little bit? Of course. Yeah. So first on, on the, on the confidence piece, um, you know, one of the, one of the, the taglines you hear a lot in fashion is look good, feel good, right? Everyone always connects looking good to feeling good. But I think the part that, that is really missed about feeling good is that it's, it's the confidence that makes you feel good. The confidence of when you look in the mirror and you're really proud of kind of how you're presenting yourself. And so when it comes to menswear, one of the things, I mean, personally, I learned um, at a young age was that, um, you know, I didn't know how to tie a tie. Thankfully, my dad did. Um, he taught my brother and I. But, you know, we had other, other men that we knew, other guys my age who just didn't know how to tie a tie. And, and because of that, that lack of knowledge really kept them from maybe making that extra step and, and you know, having a suit or, or, or taking that step and, you know, and really making a suit part of their wardrobe. And so w- with our business, that's something that we do. You know, as I mentioned, I, I'm, I'm 50% of our sales are delivered by me in hand. Um, and so, you know, in, in those times when I get to meet my customers face to face, I show them how to tie, how to fold a pocket square, right? I, I, I give them a simple little, you know, Here's how you make a little puff. We sell bow ties and we realize that a lot of men will order pre-tie bow ties because they don't, they don't, you know, they don't want to get the self-tie and, and, and not know what to do with it. And, and so I've actually, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll work with them and, and teach them how to tie bow ties. And we've even taken that, conf, uh, that piece um, to the point of um, working with, you know, at DU as a student there, I was heavily involved on on campus. So one of our student groups, um, Pioneer Prep Leadership Program, was a leadership uh, program for middle school and high school Black uh, men and women. And so during that program, we we came and we really taught a you know a business one on one kind of a Shark Tank workshop that we did. Um, and so we really got the kids to think about what are you passionate about, and now let's use this hour that we have to 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 tell you know show you how you can turn that passion or or that thing that you like and tell it and turn it into a little business. And then that, you know, even from that, seeing the kids more confidence to say, hey, you know, I take pictures on my phone, but I really wanted to get a camera and, and branch out, right? And then and then just seeing the confidence that they got through that. So 
that's kind of the piece where we say, you know, really allowing our customers to express their individuality, but also giving them confidence. Um, and then going into the piece about, you know, really feeling like it's our duty to really big, bring positive impacts um, to our to our stakeholders. Um, as I mentioned, Fatima and I were both heavily involved in our communities growing up. Um, in, in college, one of my scholarships was with the Pusta Foundation addressing uh, where I started my own social justice project, addressing the issue of higher education access for young Black males. Um, Fatima was specifically working in, in the health uh, field, really addressing holistic um, uh, health discrepancies for, for communities of, of marginalized populations. And so we were just all over the place with what we wanted to do with our community. So as we saw our business and saw that, you know, one day this business is going to have financial power behind it. And, and in community work, there's a lot of time where you, people have passions, but really don't have the financial power to back and to sustain that passion and drive for community. So that's why we really said, you know, it's our duty as a business to really bring these positive impacts to the people who are invested and are, and are using and are benefiting from our business, you know, and are coming to us for our products. And so that's really how, um, you know, as we look at our future growth and really what our dream is for Flair and Square, you know, it, it's really using that to, to start a little, you know, empower our people to, to make a little mini economy. I, I always like to think about it, a little mini empire where, you know, not only, um, you know, one of my best friends does our photography. My, my older brother does music. Um, he, he's, he's been a model for us. Um, my mom and, and, and sewing, you know, my wife currently works in health policy and, and has that aspirations to, to run a nonprofit one day. We really just saw so many people in our lives, friends and family who, who wanted to do certain things, but didn't necessarily have, you know, the network and the money to do it. And so our dream for Flair and Square is to really, you know, one, give that, that avenue and say, hey, we took this idea and we did it, right? We, we were able to turn this into a business and we were able to really put our feet down and really make this happen. And, and because of your help and as a community and really supporting us to, to lift us up to do it, we also want to lift you up as well, right? Because at the end of the day, us being on, you know, whatever platform we're on allows us to network and leverage our network to, to really help you get where you need to go. And so that's kind of the, the overall dream of this is that, you know, one day we're really going to look back at Flair and Square and the work we did and really, and really see that, you know, as, as we were able to grow and, and able to establish ourselves, we can also point to specific individuals who also benefited and were able to follow their dreams and make things happen because of Flair and Square. So it feels like any question I ask you after that is going to feel just very anticlimactic and trite. And because <laughs> uh, I love that it's, you know, I would have never thought something as simple as, you know, fashion accessory um, and, you know, squares about as simple as fashion accessories you can get. Oh, we had to start simple, of course. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that being uh, just, you know, the the underpinnings, the engine for, uh, you know, community support, development, community change. And, you know, that that is so much bigger than what it appears on the surface. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that that's just amazing to me. And uh, I really appreciate the piece just you know, a big theme of this show is, you know, how do you help people get out of their own way? How do you help them take that imperfect action to move forward? And so, you know, you were talking about sometimes it's just helping them know how to tie a tie because that's what's yeah. keeping them from buying a suit, which that sounds small, but it, 
if you don't know how to buy a suit, don't know how to wear a suit, you're not going to go after any jobs where that might be a part of your day. Exactly. And, you know, so just kind of this tracing down from, I'm going to settle for less because of this one little thing. And and I know no one thinks about it like, well, sure, I could work in financial services, but I don't know how to tie a tie. You know, I, <laughs> I, I don't think they start there with that thought, but just that little step of confidence, that little piece, you know, opens up the next piece. And right, exactly. So where does this go to? I mean, so you're working on accessories right now. Does this ever expand mm-hmm. into like men's suits or, you know, full on clothing versus the, the accessories? Yeah, that's, um, you know, we, we definitely have ambitions to, to make it, to make that one day. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Fatima has, has had the entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit since we were, we were kids. And so I know for her, you know, one day she, she really wants to get into women's wear. Mm. Um, and, and one of the cool things that, that when we talk about women's wear and, and one of the things that we see right now is that, uh, you know, for, for us to do pocket squares, right. We, we take, as men, we take advantage of the fact that all of our clothing have pockets, usable pockets, I, I, I should say. And, and then on the woman's side, we were really thinking, you know, how to, for, for our, um, you know, even going back to when we were going on Chris Prente's show, you know, thinking about Fadma, do you have a suit? You know, are you able to wear a pocket square to kind of show our product as well? And she was like, yeah, I have a suit, but the pocket isn't really real. And that, that kind of just started a little spark on us. Like, you know, one day I really think we could, you know, for your women's line is, is to really have, have women's clothing that actually has legitimate pockets that still look good. Um, and so I know for her, you know, as we think down the road, that's definitely something that we talked about and that we want to use Flair Square, um, maybe even a different brand name, right? Different company. Um, but start that as well. So to kind of help her go after her dreams and, and, and what she's really, really passionate about and what wants to do for women's clothing and women's fashion. Um, and, and right now we're actually working with some local clothers here, um, for one being, uh, Andre Holiday. He's a wonderful gentleman, does custom suits. Um, and he's really taking the time just to teach me about, you know, what does it look like to have a business where every day you're doing custom suits, you know, for clients. And he, he does have some high profile clients. So that that's allowed me to just see how he manages that side. But, you know, that's always conversations of, you know, maybe we can even get into that business with a partner like Andre, right? Or, or with someone who, who knows, knows the business and has experience with men's suits and is really to, to bring us along, right? And, and to bring, have us be the accessories piece, but then on the back end also involve us in the, in the full suit piece as well. So yeah, there's definitely conversations always going around of, of expanding just past accessories, going into suits. But then also going into into women's wear because because we see that the opportunity is there. Um, for us, it's, it's it's really just taking it one step at a time. You know, we we're, we're still very young. You know, we we still have. You know, we're still figuring things out, and so for us, you know, we're not in a rush. We're we're more than happy to start crawling, you know, and and then and then start walking a little bit, and, and before we run. That that that's that's where we found success in Flanscore, and so we really think that strategy is gonna gonna lead us in our long-term future as well. 